Thanks for joining our Dialing Into Your Best Dairy, a podcast series brought to you by dairy educators with Cornell University. In this series, we'll be walking through a cow's life cycle to pinpoint best management practices to maximize each cow's genetic potential in your herd. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the podcast series by Cornell Cooperative Extension. I'm Alicia Dranke from the Southwest New York Dairy, Livestock, and Field Crops team, and I'm joined by Casey Habakis from the North Country Regional Ag Team, and we are both dairy management specialists on our regional team. In this episode, we're going to discuss calf management from birth through the weaning phase. Research shows that calf care is a critical time point that can influence the long-term production, health, and efficiency of your herd. So the management decisions you make now will influence her once she enters your lactating herd. So let's first dive into the time of birth and the initial neonate phase. Casey, can you describe some early considerations for our calf during calving? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I try to focus on with producers, proper sire selection. So if you can avoid it, try to avoid breeding your uh, first time calvers to you know large structured bulls and try to be mindful of the sires that you are breeding your cows to. And then of course, there's gonna be situations where it's out of your control and heifers and cows are gonna have a difficult calving. So just pay close attention to those calves and recognize that they may require some extra attention. So one of the tools that has been developed out of the University of Guelph and then Wisconsin has now adapted it and made an app out of it is called the Vigor Scoring Chart. So it takes into account things like visual appearance, initiation of movement, general responsiveness, oxygenation rates, and it combines all of these different factors into a score that's assigned to the calf. So the higher the score, the less vigorous the calf is, and that may be a good indication that you need to keep a closer eye on those calves as they grow up. And then later you may need to call them if they're not performing and they're not up to the standards of the rest of your heifers. Those are some great points. Could you also please share some considerations for nutrition during this initial birth and neonate phase? Yeah, so colostrum management has been a really key area of research for the past decade. So we know the basics already. We know that we need to test it. We know we need to get it into the calf quickly. So some of the more recent research has focused on more specific details of colostrum management. So how much colostrum the calf should be getting and how quickly she should be getting it. So we now know that when calves are fed two liters versus four liters of colostrum, those calves that were fed four liters had higher average daily gain. They had a greater chance of survival through their second lactation and they had higher milk production through their second lactation. So those are some really good indicators that feeding four liters is really beneficial to the calf versus that two liter feeding. So one of the comments that I get from farms when I make this recommendation is that one, the calf just doesn't want to drink it, and two, it takes a lot of time to get four liters of colostrum into the calf. So with that, I would argue just get it into the calf as quickly as you can. Research that's been done hasn't shown there to be any difference in terms of passive transfer between tube-fed and bottle-fed calves. And secondly, if you are worried about feeding such a large amount in one feeding, some recent research has shown that you can easily feed two smaller feedings within a 12 hour window and the results are just as good as if you fed four liters all at once. So the research concluded that the total serum protein levels did not differ between calves that were fed four liters in one feeding 
or if they were fed, it spread out over two feedings. So the first one at birth and the second one was 12 hours later. But I will mention that if you do opt for that strategy of feeding them in two separate feedings, please note that the research presented used high quality colostrum for both feedings. So they didn't use the second milking from the mom, they used colostrum for both of those feedings. And that's a really key point if you're going to be using that strategy. How valuable is the milk following that first colostrum milking? So it still is really valuable. So as I just mentioned, if you're going to be feeding two separate feedings, make sure that second feeding is that high quality colostrum from the first milking. However, that being said, once the calf has their four liters of colostrum, the milk from the second to the fourth milking have a lot of nutrients that are still extremely beneficial to the calf. And if you have a system in place that allows for you to collect the transition milk, I highly recommend feeding it for the first three feedings following that initial colostrum feeding or two. So if you don't have a system in place that allows you to readily collect that transition milk, an alternate strategy is to mix colostrum with milk replacer or with whole milk to try to take advantage of some of those benefits. And some of the more recent work has shown that these benefits include greater intestinal development, which was reported in a research project where calves fed a mixture of colostrum and milk starting at 12 hours after birth had greater intestinal development compared to calves that were just fed milk or milk replacer at that 12 hour point. So lots of really great benefits for feeding that transition milk, especially if in most situations you have to dump that milk anyways because the cow was treated with some dry off treatment. So it's a really good strategy. So while nutrition does play a huge role in early success, there are other management factors that play an equally important role. And Alicia is gonna to touch on some of those. So Alicia, what other aspects do you find important during this time? Yeah, I think uh, another extremely important aspect to consider during this time is cleanliness. And this is going to start from the time that you move your cow into the maternity pen all the way through that early life stage for the calf. So it's important to maintain a clean, dry, and comfortable maternity pen for both the cow and the calf. A clean maternity pen can reduce the risk of navel infections in the calf and reduce the risk of infections for the cow post-birth. You also wanna make sure that the area you are gonna move your calf to after birth is clean and dry as well. This can help the calf maintain its body temperature and reduce the exposure to disease if the area has already been properly sanitized and remains clean. You do wanna make sure that you maintain this cleanliness of the environment from the birth all the way through until weaning. So at this point, I do want to start to transition into the milk phase for the calf, but I want to continue to discuss cleanliness a little bit because this does really start before the calf is born and carries through weaning. So in addition to maintaining clean and dry bedding, it's important to keep the rest of the environment and the equipment that you're using or anything that comes into contact with the calf clean as well. So these are going to include anything such as buckets or bottles, any tubes or nipples, even things like the pen, walls or fences, and health equipment that you're utilizing, and so on. In order to properly clean and disinfect these materials, you want to make sure you have a clear protocol for all caretakers to follow. This can help ensure proper cleanliness to reduce the buildup of residues, which bacteria can thrive on. A few key considerations when cleaning are to make sure you rinse and scrub equipment to remove manure and parasites. Use a washing detergent that's appropriate for what you want to kill and make sure that it's heated to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. 
rinse the equipment and make sure that it can sufficiently dry once you've gone through that sanitation process. Finally, it's important to keep biosecurity practices in mind if you have any caretakers or equipment that are being used for both calves and cows. So Casey, you talked about the initial nutritional considerations. Let's talk a little bit about nutrition during this pre-weaned phase. Yeah, so this is another question that I get quite a bit from producers. They often will ask me how much milk should the calf be getting? How frequently? What should their average daily gain be? And I think that all of this really depends on the producer's goals. So, you know, producers really should be targeting a minimum average daily gain of 0.7 kilos per day, which works out to be about a pound and a half per day. But you can target a kilo per day, which works out to be 2.2 pounds per day and achieve that very well. And you know, some of the really well-managed herds are achieving this average daily gain. So when it comes to how much milk the calf should be getting and how frequently her meals should be, I like to point out that calves can handle larger meals. And this is evident through some of the more recent research that's been done looking at feeding behavior in automatic milk systems. So in this work, we see that if they're provided the opportunity, calves prefer to consume up to five liters per meal with some calves even consuming up to nine liters per meal. So while I don't recommend feeding calves nine liters per meal, offering them four liters per meal is very doable and recommended. And of course, then we have some additional considerations for winter feeding. So we know that extra calories are required in the winter to support their maintenance needs and then go towards their growth. And this doesn't necessarily mean just giving them extra milk replacer. You really wanna make sure that you're checking your solids content and it may be more beneficial to add a third feeding in during the winter than it is to just you know, increase the amount of milk replacer or the amount of fluid that you're providing those calves. I also wanna point out that as per the update to the farm program, Farm 4.0 requires that calves have access to starters starting at day three of age. Your three-year-old day calf is likely not gonna to wanna to consume starter. So just make sure that you're providing a little bit to meet that requirement. So keep that in mind going forward and just know that the earlier that they do get on starter, the better their growth will be and the better their weaning will be. When you're feeding calves, do you have a preference for feeding either whole milk or milk replacer? So unfortunately, I don't have a really good answer for that. I think both strategies work for different farms, and I think both strategies can work depending on how you manage them. So saleable whole milk has a lot of really great benefits, and notice here I say saleable, so we're not wanting to feed waste milk from treated cows to calves. And this is because antibiotic residues can enter the calves' tissues, so unless you have access to a pasteurizer, I would stay away from feeding waste milk to calves. But the saleable whole milk is a good strategy, and when managed well, this can lead to really great success for calves. But the one thing I will say about feeding whole milk is that it can lead to a lot of inconsistencies, and we know that calves love consistency. So your whole milk is going to differ day to day in your protein and fat content, and this can lead to inconsistencies in your total solids content. But on the other hand, while mixing milk replacer is more consistent, it can also lead to other inconsistencies. So if you're not using the same temperature of the water day in and day out, and if you are not using a scale to weigh your milk replacer, then you could have inconsistencies in your total solids content. So just be mindful of that. Casey, with the challenging times that the dairy industry has been facing, some farms that have previously fed milk replacer have been considering feeding whole milk to calves. You touched on it a little bit, but are there any other aspects that producers should take into consideration with this transition? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And especially right now, it's an area that's received a lot of attention. So what I will say is this. So feeding whole milk can be a really good strategy when managed correctly. You know, beneficial for your bottom line. It can be more economical. But I really highly recommend you talk to a trusted advisor before you doing so. There are a ton of different considerations. So first and foremost, should you be pasteurizing it? Do you and your herd vet have a thorough understanding of what disease pathogens are on your farm? Could you be putting your calves at risk if you're feeding this milk? Are you gonna to have to change the time of your milk feedings to correspond with you know, when the milk is gonna be in the tank or when the milk is picked up? Do you have the staff lined up to feed it? So there are a ton of different considerations. I don't think that it should be a decision that you make overnight. And especially if you are going to do it, please transition your calves onto it slowly. Don't go all at once. First and foremost, calves have a sensitive belly. This can lead to some digestive upset. And secondly, they're picky. So if you, you know, just change what they're used to all of a sudden, they may have a little bit of pushback on the whole milk. And so, you know, you can start by mixing milk replacer with the whole milk to kind of transition them onto that. So there's a ton of considerations. I just really recommend you reach out to a trusted advisor before you move on to that. That's some good advice, Casey. The last thing I want to ask you about is if you suggest providing calves hay during this milk period. Yeah, providing hay can increase starter intake and rate of gain, but you just want to be mindful of how much hay or forage is in the diet at this time. So when it makes up about 5% of the total solid feed intake, growth has been shown to be increased, but if it reaches upwards of 10%, it can actually have a negative effect. So it's great for stimulating rumen development, but you don't want to be providing too much hay during this time. So Alicia, what are some other management considerations during the pre-wean milk phase? Another management consideration during this milk phase is calf comfort. We often talk about cow comfort in our lactating herd, but these aspects are also important for our calves too. So when you're thinking about calf comfort, you want to think about the size of the pen, and the bedding, maintaining that clean, soft, and dry environment for the calf to move around in. You also wanna think about ventilation. Ventilation refers to the quality and quantity of airflow that you have in your facility. How much ventilation you need is going to change with the season, with the least number of air exchanges being needed in the winter, and then increasing in the spring and fall seasons, and then naturally needing the most air exchanges to occur in the summer. You can think of an air exchange as all of the air essentially draining from the room and then refilling. That's one air exchange. In the winter, you need four air exchanges per hour or a turnover approximately every 15 minutes. And in the summer, that increases to 60 air exchanges per hour. So it's important to make sure that you are avoiding any drafts in the winter though, as this can increase risk of disease or illness. Through proper ventilation though, you can make sure that you are decreasing your risk of illness and pneumonia in your calves. I would also like to mention that there is an increasing amount of literature that shows the benefits of providing heat abatement to calves. You should especially be providing shade to receive those benefits, but you should also consider providing fans as heat abatement. And how might a producer's approach to housing influence these considerations? Yeah, that's a good point. Calf comfort is an important consideration whether you are individually housing calves or socially housing them. There's some research to suggest that socially housing calves improves their ability to learn and cope with stress into their adult life if best management practice is followed for all other care aspects as well. 
If you choose to socially house calves, group size should ideally be kept around eight, but can increase up to 15 or even a little bit higher if you have an appropriately sized pen and appropriate management. The Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs has a minimum suggestion that calves less than six weeks of age receive two meters squared of space per calf. And then this allotment suggestion increases to 3.5 meters squared per calf after six weeks of age until they're weaned. There is also potential for improved efficiency with social housing through proper management. Another consideration is that grouping earlier in the calf's life can reduce stress at weaning. If you do choose to group animals, you wanna make sure that you try to keep those groups consistent. And if you do have to regroup them, try to keep at least one familiar calf with another familiar individual. So Casey, let's talk a little bit more about weaning. What are some other important considerations when you're looking to wean a calf? So it's really important to consider that weaning is a very stressful period for the calf. You know, you're taking away something that they've had since the day that they were born, which is milk. And if you do this cold turkey without any adaptation period, this can be very, very stressful. So we recommend implementing a gradual or step-down weaning approach. So this can look like weaning over a two-week period. And you want to make sure that calves are able to consume enough feed to compensate for that loss of nutrient from milk consumption. And this is to try to avoid that post-weaning growth slump. And we want to make sure that calves are able to maintain their growth by being able to consume enough solid feed. And then from a behavioral perspective, gradual weaning is also beneficial because like I mentioned, you're kind of minimizing the change all at once and you're slowly taking away their milk source rather than taking it away from them abruptly. So another thing that should be considered is weaning age. So a lot of producers wean calves based on age. I would argue that while weaning age is important, you should also base it on starter intake. So you wanna make sure that calves are consuming about four and a half pounds of starter by the time they're fully weaned. So that means that calves are consuming a sufficient amount of starter by the time the weaning process is started. And it's also been shown that calves that are weaned at eight weeks versus six weeks had better post weaning growth. And again, that's likely because those calves were able to consume enough feed to compensate for the loss of nutrients once milk was removed from their diet. Those are all really great considerations. Casey, as we come to a close, what would you like our listeners to keep in mind as they move forward from today? So I think it's important to keep in mind that calves need good quality colostrum and they need it quickly. So moving forward, I encourage you to also think about your goals for growth and fine tune your nutrition program to better suit those goals. If you need help calculating feeding rates, please reach out to one of us. We'd be happy to help. And I also really encourage you to consider other factors than just age when you start to wean your calves. Alicia, is there anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I would like to encourage listeners to keep in mind that this is an extremely sensitive period that can influence the long-term productivity of your herd. Cleanliness of the environment and equipment from birth all the way through weaning can reduce your risk of health-related issues in your herd. Comfort is also important for our calves, so don't just focus on it in your lactating herd, but also take it into consideration at this time point as well. Finally, something we didn't really discuss much today, but I think remains important, is to make sure that you have clear communication among any individuals who perform calf care. This can help ensure that best management is followed and that any issues that arise are identified early on. 
So thank you all for joining us today. We hope you found value in this topic and tune in for the next episode of our series. If you would like more information, please visit the Pro Dairy website or reach out to one of your regional specialists. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast has been presented by Regional Dairy Educators with Cornell Cooperative Extension and Pro Dairy. Thank you.